Well, good evening, everyone. Here we are, another evening with the Course of Love. We are currently in the second treatise, the treatise on the the nature of unity. We'll be reading Chapter 2 to hear the call, and it's quite short. It's only nine paragraphs. We'll probably get into Chapter 3, too. That's another short one. And that's on page 241 in the first edition. I don't know if it's what it is in the second edition, but it is in the second treatise, the treatise on the nature of unity. And as I said, it's to hear the call. And this evening we have Judy, Charles, Reverend Bill, Gloria, and Lana. So whoever has joined us, I thought I had the tones on. Wow. Anyway. I like- if I may just say something here quickly, uh, Charles, mm-hmm. uh, Gloria called you to join us today. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. Uh, 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 I heard the call. Thank you very much, Gloria. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mentioned to be like I miss Charles. I hope he comes to the group and look at you. See, that's and why he I call you. Always in my heart. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you. Okay. So let's get started. I'd ask everybody for now to mute your phones. And I guess, as you know, I say every week, and we should know by now, you know, etiquette, you know, try to keep your phones muted. So this way, when someone's speaking or reading, there's no distraction. And, of course, you know, um, Beware when someone is talking not to post a conversation and allow them to finish, say they're completed. The usual, you know, we know how to be polite on these type of calls. Okay. I don't think I have to say much on that, but I would like just to say some soothing words or some words that center us to get started. So if we can just take a breath. Oh. I'm going to say good evening. Would you like to announce who just arrived? No? Okay. We honor your silence. As I started to say, let's just take a deep breath. Bring our heart and mind together. Feel it. Let it sit together in wholeheartedness, the heart and the mind. And hear these words just to center ourselves. We rest in the soothing stillness of the Christ presence and feel the power of divine healing love. Our emotions are calm and our mind and and our minds and our bodies are revitalized. Strengthened and renewed. So sit in that soothing silence, that stillness of the Christ presence. Feel power. Feel the power. It's running through this human form and know that the spirit is so excited to feel the presence of Christ in us. And it will strengthen and revitalize our body. 
Because we need these bodies as we believe. We believe we walk, walk in this world. But as we walk in the world, we know the truth. The truth that the only thing we see is with the vision of Christ and we see love. Pure love constantly. In the presence of Christ. Now, here we are. What's the love? Chapter 2, to hear the call. I'm going to back up a little bit into the first chapter, which was treasure, was the first chapter. And he said to us, what does it mean? Let me see. Let me really get my thoughts here. Thoughts joined in unity create without goals or planning, without effort or struggle. This does not make an instrument unnecessary for a musician or the mean that a, or mean that a painter will not eventually put a brush to canvas. But it does mean that the treasure exists without these things and that the treasure is already a fully Realize, correct, correct, oh, excuse me, this evening, the body's not working well. A fully realized creation. The treasure already is, and it is already valuable and available. This is the first step in the change in thinking that needs to occur. It is an elementary step and one easily accomplished with but a bit, a bit of willingness. This change in thinking in regards to treasures you do not realize will pave the way for recognition of treasures you heretofore have not recognized. So now we will hear to call, to hear the call. So we have Judy, Charles, Reverend Bill, Gloria, and Lana, Coming up to the line, it's a one-liner. I'll say, um, Gloria, you read four and five, and then Lana six, okay? So you want to start us off, Judy? And whoever joined us, we'd love to know who you, who's with us. Okay. Why don't you get us started, Judy, please. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Why would we begin a treatise on unity by talking of treasure to pave the way for talking of calling? What is it in you that recognizes talents that lie fully realized within? The practical mind is not the source of such imagination. The practical mind makes of imagination a fantasy. It is the heart that sees with true imagination and the heart that speaks to you in terms that are consistent with the idea you currently hold of hearing a call or having a calling. Charles, do you want to go next, please? Thank you. Having a calling is spoken of in lofty terms. 
few outside of those who feel they have a calling for something beyond their ordinary limited view of themselves use this phrase. But many recognize that they have a calling even under things the world considers mundane. How does, a farmer, how does a farmer explain that she or he or he cannot be other than a farmer? That rising and setting with the sun is in their blood, in the very nature of who they are. That being one with the land is essential to them. What bravery is takes in today's world to follow a calling to teach? to set aside other careers <clears throat> that offer far from the prestige economic gain to instead be a sharer of a knowledge and shaper of minds. What overriding kindness calls one to take care for another's body to be a healer? Pass. Okay, um, how does one explain a joy that is like no other and that comes from the simple act of caring for a child, preparing a meal, bringing grace and order to a home? I'd like to suggest that we continue reading since there's only two more, there's seven, eight, and nine. So this way we'll get a full flavor of this. So. I'm going to ask Judy and Charles and Reverend Bill to conclude the chapter, okay? Thank you. Okay. This list of different callings could be endless, and each could be considered unexplainable. Those who seek an explanation before following a calling, who look for reasons of a practical nature, who would seek guarantees of the rightness and outcome of following such a call, seek for, seek for proof, they have already been given. The call itself is proof. It is proof of the heart's ability to be heard, of the heart's ability to recognize the unseen and to imagine the existence of that which will reveal its true nature and its joy. Charles? Thank you. All of you are capable of hearing the truth of what the heart would tell you. All of you are just as capable of believing in that truth as of doubting it. All that prevents you from believing in truth is a mind and heart acting in separation rather, rather than in union. Bill, thank you. You think that what prevents you from being who you are is far broader than this simple idea of hearing and following a calling would indicate. You think what prevents you from being who you are is far broader than a division between mind and heart. Some of you would say you feel no calling or that you feel many. Others would cite practical reasons for doing their other than what they feel called to do. 
All of these ideas illustrate your belief that something other than your own willingness is necessary. Only in your own willingness does anything exist because only in your willingness is the power of creation expressed. I'm going to step away for a moment. We'll be back. Okay, Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. You know, I just want to raise what, you know, came to my mind very quickly because well, even what, what I read in that last paragraph that we read before he brought us into it, he raised the words. And he said, this is the first step in the the change in thinking that needs to occur. It is an elementary step and one easily accomplished with but a bit of willingness. You know, in the many, many times that, you know, having read The Course of Miracles, I was, Jesus constantly reminded us all it takes is a bit of willingness. You know, and yet in my humanness, it's so, you know, I would just drive myself crazy. Like, I'm willing, but why isn't it happening? And it's like it took me a long time to relax into that and to just know I am willing to hear, to know, feel, to hear the call, to listen to the prompts. They're there. Um, it just is so refreshing just a bit of willingness yeah that's what you know most of this said to me to hear the call takes a bit of willingness open your heart and listen so Mm. I'm complete for now thank you thank you Paula you know for me it's um you know, it, it, for the years I, you know, it was, um, it was the early years in A Course in Miracles, you know, I always referred to it as practicing A Course in Miracles. But um, through the willingness to keep on practicing, and I shared this before, I don't know if I shared it in this group, but um, that practice turned into a devotion. It was something that... Um, I didn't, I mean, I just naturally wanted to do it. I I couldn't imagine not doing it, reading and and, um, being devoted to the lessons and being devoted to integrating it into our lives. And and I think over time, we learn to or become willing to listen to those prompts because, you know, Jesus once told me, to do, you know, when I was asking for guidance about something, I don't remember what it was, um, he said, do what brings you peace, do what brings you joy, but if I don't look within and see what that is, you know, I'll tend to to get busy during the day and forget to um, stop 
and look at my mind and look at my heart and see what it's calling me to do. But it's, it's a present moment experience. You know, at any moment, I can look within, within and ask, what would you have me do? And, and I would feel a calling to paint or I would feel a calling to cook or I would feel a calling to um, write or read or meditate. You know, that, that calling was in me and um, it was awful always a joyful experience you know it was not something uh, <laughs> wasn't any struggle needed it was um, being kind to myself was it was about being loving to myself and honoring uh, the desires of my heart and indulging um, myself to express myself through all of these uh, things that I would love to do anyway. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't do other things, but in any moment, it's it's there for me if I look within. What in this moment? For instance, right now, I can't think of anything I would rather be doing than being on this call with you guys. It's It's just... Uh, this call was calling me all afternoon. I was looking forward to it. So um, there's always uh, some joy waiting for us if we just acknowledge our truth and and allow ourselves to su- to self-express in whatever loving way we're led to do that. Um, and also, you know, sharing the love of God with other people. I mean, that's amazing. In um, the love that ignites within you as you're doing it, where you really get to see that giving and receiving are one. So anyhow, um, that's what you know came to mind as we were reading uh, this. I'm complete. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you, Lana. Thank you. Thanks, Lana. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you, you Lana. Yeah. No, and thank you, Lana, and thank you, Paula. Mm. Both great. As, um, I've just come back from uh, a challenge in my life. And one of the courses says removing the blocks of the awareness of love's presence. And what this chapter here speaks of me is a willingness a willingness to step into areas that I need to practice, I need to express that little willingness to release the blocks of the awareness of love's presence. And I, from imagined, from my family in my earlier years, held those stories within me. And as I went back, they weren't there anymore. Those stories were not alive except inside of me. And it really just sort of realized that, you know, I keep asking, let me see forgiveness as it truly is. And what it truly is, is the thoughts that I made up were thoughts I hold that I believe were true. And I realized that they were just a call for love that we were all sharing together as one. And we were making judgments on each other. I was making judgments on them according to 
what I felt inside me. And I thank God that I was able to look at this and be willing to go through the struggle of my beliefs that I was holding. And I faced a lot of fever, cold. My body was burning. And the mental anguish that my beliefs were creating such a strong, strong hold. It was just just to be and to witness that. To be willing to sit there and witness it and thank God that it's just what I believe that was interfering with the love that we all shared together as one. I mean, when I'm here with you guys, it's just a joy to be and to share and to love. But those I hold stories of that aren't true, those that resist, I resist to coming to know the true presence that we all share together as one. I truly, truly am blessed for this experience I've been through and blessed by being here with you again to know that my love is is my awareness of God's presence of love is uh, greater now than it was before. And uh, I look forward to all the challenges that uh, still call for that willingness. And I am willing. With that, I'm complete. Amen. Awesome, Charles. Awesome is right. Oh, thank you, Charles. You know what, Charles? I just want to add this thing. And I have stopped calling them challenges. I started to call those situations opportunities. And look at it that way. Not a challenge. It's an opportunity, exactly what you experience, to see the truth and to feel the love. And, you know, we've all of us who've read The Course in Miracles, Jesus has said to us many times, the times you felt you fell backwards, you made your greatest strides. And that's when we accept those opportunities and know somewhere within we're going to come through it. And all it takes is a little willingness to hear it and know it. I think we've all been there in our own time, in our own way. And that's why when we come together now, we can feel it. I can feel you. I can feel I can feel us. Because that's the one, the oneness of us. Like it's like something deep. And that's what we have to feel when those opportunities come about. And embrace it all. He tells us that in the course of love. He tells us that many embrace it all. And you came through. Yeah. Kudos to you, Charles, my brother. I'm complete. Thank you, dear one. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Charles, and thank you, Paula. As a 
as I was reading the rest of this and, and just watching the natural flow that was coming through reading this entire material uh, in line with different quests or different roles that I thought were for me. Um, I'll tell you that uh, when, <clears throat> when once and for all I answered the call to the ministry, uh, it was like a complete shift in my life and the way things were flowing within my life. And I felt as if uh, I was on fire about what was possible or what, what I was uh, going to accomplish uh, even though I had doubts or wonders how wonder how I was going to accomplish these different things, but it didn't matter. Uh, I just was so clear, uh, so on fire about this, and um, there was just a positive energy, a positive expression coming from me of whatever came up as obstacles or quote-unquote reasons that I'm not qualified for this, that, that I just even saw that as, as part, of this, part of the flow, part of, of um, hearing this call and then just watching it just explode in front of me um, in, in the activity and, and just watch things that I needed to have happen along the way, just line up. Uh, and I recognized, too, that uh, so that was 19 years ago when I answered that call. Uh, and the form has taken so many different directions. Uh, and that's fine because it, uh, What's at the heart is the means of serving people in a in, in a ministerial role, and um, I'm just so grateful. And I think you guys are a part of the part of the group that that are hearing me, just watching this unfold in the form that it's taken here. Certainly not in the form of what might look like a traditional role of a minister, but this is what's here, and I'm thrilled about it. I'm thrilled about the opportunities that present themselves and just how all this is unfolding. And uh, it, it's like this material, The Course in Miracles and The Course of Love, are <clears throat> clearly for me the direction uh, I was guided in 2015, I'm walking through a field in Connecticut, and I hear a voice say, I wonder if there's something behind, beyond the Course of Miracles. And so I sat with that question, and six months later, I was introduced to a Course of Love. Uh, just watching all this unfold as it has, it's just a thrill. Calling me grateful. Thank you. I'm complete. Yeah. That's beautiful, Bill. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. That's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. You know, if you read that one line, too, where he says at the end of this, what did I just read in this? Bill was talking. 
Hold on to hear the call. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says, you know, there's a list of different callings are endless, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on to say, the call itself is proof. It is proof of the heart's ability to be heard, of the heart's ability to recognize the unseen and to imagine the existence of that of that which will reveal its true nature and its joy. So he tells us in this work, it's always through the heart where love exists. You don't hear with the ears a call. You feel it through the heart. You know, as he even said, you know, when you prepare a meal or bring grace in order to a home, you know, the joy is there. It's because you're listening through your heart to that calling. It comes. It comes to all of us, I think, in different ways and different times. The big, like Bill, it was a magnificent, you know, for you to hear the calling to be you know, to go into the ministry. Lana, for her preparing a meal or painting. For me, you know, taking care of asking, you know. One of my friends who needs help, what can I do to help? That's what we do. That's the calling. It doesn't have to be something spectacular. It's the everyday, what we consider mundane things. It's the calling. And it comes from the heart. If you're doing it with your head, you're not doing it the right way. That's not a calling. When it comes from the heart, it's a calling with love. I'm complete. Right on, Paula. Thanks. Thank you, Paula. You know, it's, um, this is Lana. Uh, uh, I so agree with what you're saying, Paula. And and for me, my real calling, my spiritual calling, uh, came through the um, meditative writings that I do with Jesus in the morning and share on Facebook every day. And and it's something that I almost, unless I'm sick, you know, unless my body's not willing, but um, it pretty much frames my day. And whatever information he gives me, you know, is, is such a gift for me that day. But I, you know, I really wanted to say something about um, accepting our feelings. And um, that's a calling too. And uh, that's uh, a calling that it's a, it's a little bit more challenging to welcome um, because, uh, you know, we've uh, defined feelings. We only like the good ones. <laughs> we don't want to experience the ones that we've defined as not pleasant. But on the other side of that, every time I allow those feelings to come up, whatever they are, and not judge myself as, you know, oh, I fell in the mud again, or I'm not doing this right, or there's so much more to heal. Um, when I put it within that framework, who would want to welcome it? Um, but uh, I, I, you know, especially with physical pain, I've gotten to the place where I will just accept it. I'll just, it doesn't mean I like it, but it just means I'm not going to resist it or do battle with it. And then, um, and 
and that same feeling, you know, may come up over a period of time. But I, what I've noticed is that every time I welcome it in without judgment, um, every time it's calling to me, you know, it's saying, look at me. Look, I have something you need to know I want to share with you. I look at it with Holy Spirit. And the ouch or the sting diminishes more and more every time I'm willing to let those feelings rise up and embrace them with love, you know, bring them to love, which is which is healing. And, and then that... Um, wonderful realization that oh gosh this has brought me so much peace it's a gift and and that you know whatever needs healing will come up of itself until it's healed i don't need to struggle and go looking in the darkness for it it will surface and so i can resist it or i can welcome it and I, you know i would say everything's either a blessing or a lesson you know it's either a lesson so i can have gratitude for them all and but the the prize you know the the goodies are just beyond the healing but i won't have the healing unless i'm willing to let those feelings rise without judgment without judging myself and and just to remind myself it's okay to feel sad once in a while it's okay to get angry you know god is not judging me the only person that's judging me is myself it's okay to have grievances it's not what i would choose but i'm not going to condemn myself because they come up you know it's it's like uh, until i embrace my humanity with love um it's i'm not going to experience it as loving and um you know so anyhow that's just what i wanted to say you know every calling um is is a calling either of love or for love but it's always about love and regardless of how my you know the ego may gift wrap it um, or how it feels it's always about love so the response is love is to embrace it it's like love's calling love and they recognize each other and it remembers it brings my memory back that i am love <laughs> i'm complete and thank you for listening thank you lana thank you you all love we're all love thank you thank you lana thank you for sharing lana thank you lana is that your puppy Reverend Bill? No, that's the neighbor's uh, chihuahua. It's unhappy, it's fearful, and it it spends the day barking. Gloria calls it. (laughs) What does Gloria call it? Don Barco. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. (laughs) You know, those little chihuahuas make a lot of noise. God, <laughs> oh, they seem, it seems the smaller the dog, the louder the, the ball. <laughs> um. I have a postscript to uh, to add to this calling. Um, I first began considering becoming a minister in the mid '90s, and at a at a Thanksgiving meal, 
with, uh, I think, one of my brothers and his family and my folks were there and what have you. You know, during the meal, I, I just, at one point, I, I said, you know, I'm thinking of becoming a minister. And everybody kind of looked up for a moment, and then they went back to their eating. And, you know, and that was it. There's, so there, that was that at that point. But then a couple of days later, my mom calls me aside and she says, Bill, I don't know if you remember it or not, but when you were six, you told me you were going to be a minister when you grew up. I had no recollection of that and no, no idea of, of how, what I, how or why I would have said that at that point except I said it. <laughs> and it was 36 years later that I, that I was told that I had said that. And um, it just, it says that there was something in there, but what the form of the ministry was is certainly not traditional ministry, but it was, uh, it's, it, it obviously is something there that, that had been there for, for quite a while, quite a while. So anyway, uh, but I was really blown away to hear that from her at that time. You know, other kids are saying, I'm going to be a fireman, I'm going to be a policeman, I'm going to be a lawyer or whatever else it is. I'm going to be a minister? Wow. Where did that come from? Well, these days I know. Thank you. you I'm know. complete. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I like it. Now you know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Judy, my friend, you're very quiet tonight. I am listening to everybody sharing, and I'm feeling very peaceful. And I really don't have anything that I, uh, I don't have anything I feel the need to share right now. I just, I'm enjoying listening. Yes, I am quiet. Sometimes the silence speaks volumes, you know. I think to me, sitting here with this very calm peace speaks volumes. Feel the joining. Feel the love. I am experiencing that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking what Reverend Bill said. You know, I remember I had a few callings when I was a young girl. (laughs) One of them was to become a teacher, and the other one was to become a nun. (laughs) 
and obviously I didn't become any of that. <laughs> it was something in my childhood. But I guess, you know, the word teacher can be expanded, not, you know, that you go to school and you have to go to, you know, become a teacher in a school. You could be a teacher in your everyday life. I think all of us in our own way, just thinking about that. You know, particularly if you raise children, you are a teacher. You're teaching them to be good. You're teaching them to love. Teaching them how to function in the world. I guess we're all teachers. But not a nun. No. That went out the window the first time I discovered boys. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I said the idea about being a nun, too, I guess. <laughs> oh, dear. Because I, I was like a tomboy. I thank my brother and my cousin, the males, and I had to keep up with them. So uh, boys were just to fight, went to play, you know. But then, you know. The hormones kicked in, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, well. So, true confessions tonight. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But what you yeah, started to is so key because um, uh, the, I know in A Course of Miracles, Jesus tells us that to teach is to demonstrate. And, and that's about our everyday life. It's not about a specific curriculum or it's, um, it's just in living our life um, in, you know, in the love of God and um, forgiveness, through forgiveness and sharing that love. So, and it all happens within, you know, whatever I do every day, you know, we teach and we learn, we're teaching ourselves. We're extending love, you know, and occasionally we're projecting fear. You know, but it all happens and and just living our lives. That's the classroom. Incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So mm. I'd like to go back if I may to if we are complete, I'll um to chapter uh, 2.1, where the practical mind is not the source of such imagination and where the heart can, you know, it can fantasize. It is the heart that sees with true imagination and the heart that speaks to you in terms that are consistent with the idea you currently hold of hearing a call or having a call. We practical mind is that which objectifies our reality and it objectifies our experiences of season cause outside of ourselves for all that we feel and we don't see ourselves as the cause of our feelings that we're having but something outside of us is giving these feelings to us and to me that's like the practical mind in its fantasies fantasizing the good-looking person, uh, the good-looking life, uh, all those things outside objectively that would give us the happiness. 
where the heart truly knows that happiness is giving of your love to those whom are in front of you now and sharing from the love of your heart for the goodness that would bring others. Um, I just love how he clarifies the idea that the practical mind, which is there and that we do live with, and we do have an, ob- an objective world that we live in, but we go to our heart for decisions of our experiences. As we mature and become older, we realize it is my choice and determination of the feelings I would choose for. It's no longer outside of me that governs my experiences anymore. Then I truly come home to God within, to the kingdom of God, God being the governing principle of all that I experience, to true heartfelt love. So I truly appreciate, you know, to hear the call from the heart to come home and rest in the heart again. As we journey into the mind and we journey into the world and we give causes to things that have no cause to affect how we feel and decide. And now we return home again back to God and God's love and the law of God. It says, in the law of the Lord do I delight and meditate upon it both day and night. It is truly the heart that rules and the mind becomes subjective. Uh, Thank you for my listening. I thought I'd share that because it was deep within me. Thank you. That is absolutely bang on, Charles. Thanks. Oh, that was wonderful, Charles. Boy, right on the money, yeah? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Uh, and I, I'd like to share what's come up for me as you were speaking about this, Charles. I can recall, I, I, I love you going to the reference of the objectifying what we're doing or objecting what our, our goal or our project may be or what have you, that I can recall different ideas or different thoughts of what I should be doing or what what I ought to be pursuing in my life in earlier years. And all the figuring out and all the thinking about it and all the analyzing that, um, all of that effort, all happening from my chin up, in other words, from my head. <laughs> and um, how how that's that's how I was raised. That's what I was raised as a means to get ahead, right? Um, yeah. and to recognize that thinking, that planning, that all of that that I was hearing as you were speaking of, or or I was relating to as you were speaking of that, and the distinction between that and just recognizing what's in here that's completely natural for us in our heart that that nobody else can be the the way shower, if you will. That this is this is up to us on ourselves, on our own, to find 
these means, these directions that just fill us with that joy, that enthusiasm, and that, that certainty. Yeah, that certainty. Um, uh, and, you know, it just, uh, I recognize that and I, I reflect on my engineer friends and their passion for their engineering work. For instance, the guy who was always convinced he was going to be building a, he was going to be a rocket scientist and, and uh, <laughs> build a flight to the moon. But the passion that was there underlying the capabilities that he had as well in that manner. Um, but it's, it's so, so interesting to watch the distinction of finding what's in the heart to be done and then, uh, and then following that, letting, letting the mind be involved, participate in bringing it into, into fruition, but not starting from the mind, if you will. Instead, finding from that feeling, that calling within. I bet that's relating to everybody. That everybody's here who who hears that can relate to that. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Beautiful, Bill. Yeah. Uh, Reminds me my my friend who invited me into the Belleville here where I live now. He was a very successful architect, and he built many wonderful buildings in Belleville here. But he tried to deconstruct the Course in Miracles. He wanted to prove that it was very contradictive. And so the Course in Miracles started to deconstruct him. (laughs) Oh, what a blessing that was. Ah, it's just a joy to see because, you know, his architect he retired from, but the course he never retired from. He's passed, he's transitioned now, but he transitioned in a very beautiful way. Well, thank you, uh, Reverend Bill, for the reminder of the engineers and all those, uh, you know, they come to really know the truth through the trade. Thank you. Wow. That was something for you to witness, Charles. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that was... What, what a privilege. Yeah. And uh, I recognize from my dad and my grandfather that, that you know, this is about making money. And finding that career, finding that, that role as an engineer or a role in, in finance and economics, what have you, that, that just never, you know, I did my best at it, but, um, and, and did, did some pretty impressive things, but there was no fire, there was no enthusiasm or joy as, as mm. I found in this ministerial service. And bless their hearts, they they were doing what they felt that was the best for them to do in terms of raising me and supporting me and directing me or, or providing input when I would receive it, when I would accept it. 
Mm. Um, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I see it and recognize that and uh, get it. Anyway, um, thanks. I think I've been talking a lot here. I'm complete. It's fine. Much love, yeah. Bill. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, I love your talking a lot, Bill. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I uh, this is Lana. I'm talking a lot too, but it's um I'm, I was called back to that first paragraph that you I think but, you but Lana, can, Lana, hold on. Can everyone mute their phones? Sometimes that clears the line. Your line is very gobbled. So let's all mute our phones while Lana's speaking. Okay, let's see if that could be my stand. Let me turn my fan off. That probably is what you're hearing, too. Um, now, in the first paragraph where uh, he says, um, whoops, I'm on the wrong first paragraph, uh, the practical mind is not the source of such imagination. The practical mind makes of imagination a fantasy, and it is the heart that sees the true imagination and the heart that speaks to you in terms that are consistent with the idea you currently hold of hearing a call. You know, what that says to me is we make folly of our imagination. We, you know, we, we tend to diminish it, you know, like a Pollyanna view of life. And um, where imagine inspiration comes from imagination and to be in spirit comes from imagination it's um it's actually so much more true than what we consider reality you know or to be free einstein used to speak of that about the intuitive mind um is meant to be um is not meant is meant however he put it it's or the intuitive mind should be our our friend um we shouldn't um and not a servant um but anyway um i when i look back at my childhood uh it was all fantasy <laughs> it was all imagination and i'm so grateful for that um uh, you know my my late teens and early adulthood well that was the house of horrors and and my best learning experiences but my childhood i mean i my father was a candy maker i lived at willie wonkum's chocolate factory and my mother was an artist and uh, she was also mentally ill, but in those early years, she was still quite the artist and made such beautiful creations for me, uh, paper dolls with these lavish wood robes, and um, she drew them and designed everything, and it was nothing to go down to. Dad had a factory in the city, but he also made candy at home in the basement. He had a little mini factory there. And it was nothing for my brother and I to go down and lick these big copper kettles. And and, and Dad just loved, you could just watch them both and see the joy in, uh, in doing what their calling was, you know, in, do, in answering their call um, to just, um, and to follow that. Um, it was instinctive. It was intuitive. Um, and I, and I, I still look back on... Um, my grandmother too, but um, they both. My grandmother and my father passed when 
I was like 15 and then 18 for my father. So I didn't have them too long, but the years I had them with me, oh, they were just, I mean, they taught me what love was, really unconditional love. And um, and they never made light of our fantasies and and um, <laughs> or anything. Christmas was such a wonderful time at our house. And although we didn't have a lot of money, you know, it was just the spirit of the Christmas season. And, of course, uh, all the candy that was around. <laughs> but, but anyhow, I, I think we do kind of dismiss or we're conditioned. It's more of a conditioning to um, dismiss things that uh, show up in our imagination. And they're showing up there for a reason. They didn't stumble in there by accident. Um, you know, it's something that uh, I would think God wants me to pay attention to and welcome, you know. So anyhow, now I'm babbling. But uh, that first paragraph, when I saw fantasy and imagination, it just took me right back to my childhood. So anyhow, I'm complete. Oh, that was great, Lana. Oh, Thanks, I, Lana. You know, I I was just imagining your childhood and I said, wow, that must have been great. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of other mm. people mention, tell these horror stories about the their childhood. And I look back, I mean, it wasn't all good. I mean, losing my father, my hero, from when he was only 42, and my mother falling into mental illness, and then all the other things that came after, uh, you know, but that was, that gave me the strength to get through all of it, uh, and yeah. I, that love, you know, and uh, one of the last things my father said to me, and talk about a gift, he, um, uh, he knew he was on, he had, he had a, a congenital heart disease, so he, he kind of knew he was on, he was going to transition soon, but one day he just sat me down and he said, Lana, I never worry about you. Because I know you always do just fine. And, you know, I carry that message with, I've carried it with me my whole life. And and to know that my father had confidence in me. And uh, that was such a gift. It, it In times when I felt weak myself, I would remember that dad never worried about me because he knew I'd be okay. And that's just kind of lifted me up, <laughs> you know, and helped me to be strong. So, um, anyway, now I will shut up. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Lana. Thank you. Mm. You know, as many times as I read whether it's Course of Miracles or whatever, there is no past, there is no future, there's the, the, only the now. It's very easy to voice that. But like we do, we hold on to what, and I'll call it our story or whatever, the past. Like Charles held on to past where it wasn't the mm-hmm. best. I could, I've gone to many times of looking back to the past doing a lot of forgiveness work, mother, father. But it's like, you know, you look back and there was always, even though it said there is no past, it's all part of the illusion and all that, but 
in our human form, it's so hard not to go back in the past. Because I think the soul needs to know it, to go back and look and learn to go forward and to remember that the soul chose that path from the day of coming into this dimension or whatever you want to call it. It was all a divine course instructed to be just the way it was supposed to be. So, yes. Is it part of the illusion? There was no past. Is it part of this whole dimension that we think there is? But whatever it is, right now, right here, it's because of what I've the soul has taken from this journey. And that's where I am. The soul is now. And now I'm starting to babble. But I think you're getting my message. <laughs> you're not yeah. babbling, darling. No, no yeah. babbling at all. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's yeah. perfect. makes perfect sense. And you're right on about that. There is only the spacious yeah. present. It's just with our limited consciousness that we mm-hmm. pretend that we're human beings having this wonderful experience or not so wonderful depending on where we're at in our lives. Right. We create it all. We make it all. We choose it all. Every single bit of it. That's it. Everyone that does. Yeah. Everyone yeah. does. Yeah. It, it, it brings me to a point of asking a question here, if I may. When I went to visit my family and they brought this big, huge box huge box filled with pictures, family pictures. And it was a trip down, they say, memory lane. But it wasn't me. It was a story. Mm-hmm. Um, when I looked at the pictures and they asked me, pick whatever pictures you want to take with you. And I say, there's nothing there for me to take. It's just... Stories that no longer are part of my life, but I truly enjoyed them when I was that age. I was truly mesmerized by them, but they didn't have the effect. I didn't seem, it's, the pictures didn't seem to have the same gravity on me than it did on them. So I don't know what that means, but it just, I enjoyed the pictures. I have them online. I have my Instagram and Facebook and pictures in there, but I barely go, you know, like it's just just a, a, a love uh, for life. That's the memory I like to keep, the love for life. Uh, anyways, that's my question is the box and albums of pictures, um, Mm. What do you when when they bring them out to show them to you? Mm. I'm complete. Thanks, Charles. Although I'm not sure I heard the question. I heard a question. I, mm. I got what you're sharing, though. I did. Thank you. That it meant a lot to them, but it didn't mean so much to you at this point in your life. And that's good for you. It means you're in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, looking back the, at the story, yeah. somebody else's story. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, Judy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I know. I, yeah. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just... I just keep thinking of the scriptures and the family lines and the family ties, the line of David, the line of this, the line of that, and family ties, and and um, that is my question, really. My question to them was, what about the soul family, about the family that lives on eternally, that we, when we leave here, we leave this world, it's when we enter into, I can only speak of what I've heard from others. I've had no personal experience of near death in this lifetime. But the family that grows beyond the world we live in here now, um, it just boggles my mind. Uh, as I say, the objective and subjective reality um, I love them and I want them to truly love themselves more than trying to fit in. And uh, that's a challenge. Um, Opportunity, you might say, an opportunity (laughs) for me to ask. (laughs) Thank you. Opportunity for me to ask. Thank yeah, you. everybody. Everybody's on their own path. Even our parents and our That's, grandparents, our siblings, our aunts, uncles, and God knows who mm-hmm. else. Everybody, every single individualistic consciousness walking around on Earth, here, there, whenever, or wherever, we're all mm. on our own individual path. Period. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say something similar to that. <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> and it's a, it's a chosen path. Every soul that's in this dimension chose the path they're on. Yeah, and in other dimensions as well. Right. True. Yeah. And you know what's family in this dimension is not necessarily family members in the next. It exactly. Changes. Very, yeah, very yeah. rarely does it happen... Uh, that right. they that we interact with them unless if there's a group dynamic happening or a group gestalt happening mm-hmm. where there is an agreement amongst all the parties that they will reincarnate in a certain area as part of a certain group or what have you in order to work out some of the issues that didn't get worked out in certain other lifetimes yada yada blah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah like that and it's all yeah. individually chosen yeah yep in each incarnation yep yeah. Amazing. And it, it's all worked out in between lives. And and, before, and it's not successive. It's not linear. I mean, reincarnation suggests past lives or future lives. No. In actuality, it's all, the spaci- it's all in the spacious present. Yeah. It's all happening now simultaneously. Mm-hmm. We made up linear time here in this, in this physical realm in order to deal with to deal with whatever it is that we're here dealing with, which is a lot, which I won't go into right now because I'm sure you all know it anyway. Yeah. But the truth is, is that it's, it's a rude assumption of this particular reality only. 
practical mind. Thank you. Just mm-hmm. live in the moment. Exactly live right. Now. Yeah. Live now. Yeah. That's the only thing that's re- it's the moment. That's right. And in every moment, our consciousness can be moved in any direction, 360 degrees, in every, in every little tiny individual degree in between each degree. It's unlimited where we can focus our conscious awareness. Hmm. Easier said than done. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I used to teach, babe. <laughs> How to do it? <laughs> yeah. How that to was do that. It. That was my that was my calling. And I well, believe me, when I was well, yeah. when, I, when I was called to it, this is the mid seventies, and I was called uh-huh. to it after I had a very good job at the time. I was working for a major television network in Toronto. And I was the director of um, research at the time and on a fast track. And I happened to take this course. And as I was taking it, I could feel shifting happening inside of me. And it, uh, the course lasted for a weekend and then there were extensions onto that that lasted for another month. At the end of that time, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what my calling was. There was not a doubt in my mind. So I took every course they had to offer, became a teacher, instructor, and taught it, facilitated it. And basically what it is, it's facilitating, not a learning so much as an experience. That's what it was. It was experience. We learn through experience, not through being taught to. We learn through experiencing. And that's all I was able to do was to facilitate their experience through what we called at the time guided meditation with lots of spaces so that they could experience whatever it was they experienced. And at the end of it, it's just, I don't know, it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. I too was called to the ministry at that time and I chose the secular route rather. Um, I just found it more, it was more, um, more conducive, I think, to my basic nature rather than to go into uh, a religious atmosphere. And that's what I did. I did it for years and years and years and years and years. And it was the most rewarding period of my life. Not so much financially, but I didn't give a damn about that. Pardon my language. I did not care. I knew what I was called to do. And trust me, there were times I was called and not called. There were times that my practical mind said, oh, well, you've got to do this, that, the other thing. And I, and I took law courses for crying out loud. And I became a certified paralegal. And I went to work in this prestigious law firm. And, you know, after half a dozen months there, it was just like there was just no way this was going to work. And I was called right back to teaching and facilitating once more. Wow. Yeah. What a journey. It has been a journey. It has been. Yeah. And then through that, I was trotted out as part of a dog and pony show, which is, yeah, I laughingly call it. Um, by a bunch of physicists, scientists, engineers, yada, yada. The U.S. Psychotronics Association is the official name Mm. of it. Yeah. And uh, they would have conferences every year. And um, I went. And because of my abilities, I suppose you might call them, uh, I was just kind of trotted out. 
to be able to point out the fact that yes quantum physics is definitely on the right track because psychic ability whatever you want to call it intuition developed intuition is very real and everybody has it it's not just a few select everybody has that ability within them and that's another aspect of the course that I taught to to use that use that intuition use your imagination and that's what I would facilitate is helping people get to that point of their center the core of their beingness where all is peaceful and silent and in the silence there is God and there is your answer it doesn't come from anything or anywhere outside of yourself it's always within you it was rewarding that's all I can tell you it was beautiful and I loved it amen amen yeah what a calling (laughs) thank you for sharing that you know and and it's so true now you know with quantum physics and all science is coming to the fact that the center is whatever you want to call it the creator god Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah the joining of the two worlds yeah yeah and I just I just knew that I mean I was very young when I took that course well not really young I was in my early 30s I think it was 31 or 32 when I took it and uh, I just knew even then I mean it just hit me so strongly there was something within me that was so deep and so profound and so touched that there was no ignoring it yeah I didn't know it at the time but now in later years I can absolutely say yeah that was definitely a calling Like I said, I had a really good job. <laughs> mm. By the way, Charles, the network I worked for was CTV. On Bloor Street CTV, yeah. Yeah, on Bloor Street in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I was the director mm-hmm. of research at the time. And the higher-ups okay. there were always trying to promote me beyond my capacities. <laughs> as they should, as they should. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. No, I enjoyed it, and I was very flattered by it. And I, you know, and I could have stayed there, and eventually I would have risen to the top. There's no doubt in my mind. But I knew that wasn't my calling. When, there, when right we on. have a calling, boy, oh boy, we know it. And nothing can stop yeah. it. Nothing can stand in its way. And I chose to spend my days doing that. Well, that's great. Mm. That's so true. Once you have a calling, it's, it's like you can't not do it. You, you know, exactly. It, it resonates exactly. so deeply, and it's it's that inner, and you know, it's as inner guidance as you can get. The strongest inner guidance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like it just pulls you. No, don't yeah. just come this way, not that way. Mm. <laughs> no, you really. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say I'd say this to it as well. Don't expect there to be a script written that you're to follow. <laughs> so true so true let me ask my friend Gloria Gloria are you still with us Uh, she's busy she's got on a call with her her son right now oh because I remember another call she spoke about a calling that she had 
I remember something. Yeah. You know, like Judy's was very dramatic, but I think a, a calling comes to each of us in our own individuated selves. Oh, the more smallest life is all calling to the most magnificent. But the key to all of that is, to, like Judy, like to stop and listen. Hey, I got this great high-power position. I can go places. And how many people mm-hmm. turn away from that calling and just continue? You know, how many souls, I should say, you know? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. ignore that calling. Yeah, I, I think he said something that, like, some people, a lot of people just call it fantasy and don't realize that it's... Remember, I think it's in that first paragraph or something where he says others will turn away and think it's just fantasy. Mm. Where others will know it's the truth. And like you, Judy, you, you know, and all of us in our own way. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, admit, I, yeah I admit my life has always had some touch of drama to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> probably because my mom was an actress. I don't know. <laughs> But I will admit to that. Yeah. No, it wasn't because she was an actress. It was because that's what I chose. I chose yeah. high drama for this lifetime for some reason, for whatever reason. Great oh, diversity. You yeah, don't know, know it, but the soul knows I don't it. know it. My soul knows <laughs> it. I trust my soul. <laughs> I trust my soul. It pushes, it pushed this, this, this little infinitesimal part of itself out into physical existence to experience whatever it wanted me to experience and I've done a good job. <laughs> yeah. You mean you weren't like us and the hippie generation who slept on floors and drank coffee no, in coffee was, houses no, and I all was, those I was, wonderful no, things? I was the one that had the commune down on Avenue Road just, that, just a little north of Yorkville and I housed all the musicians. Yorkville? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was oh, down yes, at Queen in Parliament, this, yeah. at a little, oh, little coffee okay. shop at no, Queen in Parliament, where okay, a Christian no, youth I've, missionary is, yeah. Okay, no, I was definitely uh, a part of a hippie movement, for sure. But on the yeah. upper scale of it, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, musicians, music, sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know the, that one. Oh, that yeah. yeah. I think the St. Joyce had their clubhouse at the end of Yorkville, didn't they, at that time? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah, one I remember that. Was a, he was my protector. He wouldn't let anything happen. Oh, he was. I don't know. He just took a little shine to me. You know, there was nothing, nothing ever between us. He just took a shine to me, and he would just protect me. That's all. I mean, I was, yeah. I was pretty. What's the word? I've always been trusting, and some might even just, say a little on the naive side. But I was always very trusting of everything and everyone, and everything that I never thought that anybody or anything could ever, you know, harm or hurt me or whatever, because the world was beautiful and everything was lovely and loving and lovely and this da 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 da. But he just mm. took it upon himself that he was just going to, you know, very quietly in the background, just let me know that he was there and he was looking for, out for me. So, yeah, I know the yes. house angels. <laughs> yeah. And, yes, you know they were down in New York, too. You know this call is being recorded. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But you know what? It's my life. What am I going to do? I can't show somebody else's experience. I was going to ask you a question about your life, but I think not not while we're recording this song. I was going to back off. You know, my life is and always has been a wide open book. 
<laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Can I say anything? I've got to ask Lemoyne that when Reverend Regent puts this call up, can we censor certain parts of it? <laughs> oh, by or you think you're saying that sex, drugs, and rock and roll? That's an expression yeah, that we used back then. It covered, it covered everything. I'm going with that question. I, no, I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> no, don't, no, because, you know, everything sex, was just drugs, rock and roll. <laughs> Yeah, everything was absolute love. It really was. <laughs> it's all about yeah. love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was then, too, big time. Yeah. Big time, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy, this is great. What a great call. I, I love you guys. <laughs> oh, it sure <laughs> was. I know, I know. What a great group. You know, we just let it all hang out, you know. It's <laughs> you got it. Let it all hang out. <laughs> Jesus says, be happy learners. Oh, we're happy. I'm yeah. not a happy learner. <laughs> I'm going to chew on my gummy and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That was on the recording, too. <laughs> Well, we all know that a lot of this can be taken with a big grain of salt. So, oh, but of yeah. course, so, yes. oh, yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's all fun. Ah, it's all fun. So here yeah. we are, close to the ending time, the, the witching hour, as they say on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, I do. I love really you. Yeah, I don't care. What if a great way to. Hello, Reverend Bill. What? What a great way to turn in for the night, Paula. <laughs> Laughing. <laughs> yes. That's medicine. That's medicine. I was thinking the same thing, you know. It's yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a great way to end it. The dolphins going, the whole body feels it. Yeah. The release. Oh, yeah. It's like a, Yeah. 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 So I love you, my friends, and I wish you all the joy and peace in this lifetime. Oh, peace amen and joy to that, sweetheart. And laughter. Thank you for call every week. That's such a gift for us. Yeah, it totally is. It totally when is. And once again, together. thank you, yeah. Paula, for being the host of all of this. We couldn't do it oh. without you, baby. I couldn't, what I would, how would I do without you guys? I'd be sitting here alone. Without <laughs> 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 by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they put me away. That's for sure. <laughs> nah, love no you. designer waits for you. I love you guys. I really do. Yes, much love. All. Much love. Love you. Charles, yeah. come back yeah. for more laughter. Please all right. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Love to all. Thanks, Reverend Bill. Thank you, Gloria. We'll see you at the next circle, wherever that's going to be. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Give Gloria our love. Love her. Please do. Yes. Good night. Good night. All right. Good night.
topic. It was a good. It's still on. 